I'd like to bring your attention to John chapter 8 and verse 36 today. And if you turn there with me, if you got your Bible, and I'm trusting that you have your family with you or anyone else that may be joining you for service today, or if you're just alone, we're so glad that we're all a part of the family of God. But if you turn there, John chapter, John chapter 8 and verse 36, the Bible makes a simple declaration And it's a promise that we can hold on to. It just simply says this. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Absolutely, without question, no hesitation, no no, uh, input from anyone else. We just have the promise that God said that he would make us free and that we would be free indeed. I wonder if you would just pause for a moment, whatever you're doing. And if you'll pray together with me that God will bring our thinking into line with what his word is wanting to declare today. I wonder if we would just take a moment and allow his spirit to bring liberty, the spirit of liberty, that that law of liberty that God declared would be ours, that would be released in our homes, in our families, in our regions. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you today for that law of liberty. I thank you, God, for freedom that you bring to your people. And this morning as we come to you from various locations. God, I'm so grateful for the network that you've created called the church. And God, that you've bound us together by your blood, God, by your purpose. And God, I'm asking that you would help us to align perfectly with what your spirit is declaring in this hour and in this season. God, I ask that we would walk with intention. God, that we would have purpose attached to everything that we do right now in these end times. God, don't don't let us live beneath one element of what you're designing for us to become. I ask this in your precious and in your powerful name. I wonder if someone would just join me in saying in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I I am uh, reminded today as I begin the lesson about a moment, a time when Kathy and I were still in St. John, and along with my sister, we went to the jail into... uh, it was a Christmas time, and it was a concert that we were putting on, and, and we were connected there through the chaplain, James Fudge. And there was also a lady in the church that was working with the women that were incarcerated at that time in the St. John Jail. And, and I remember that as we entered that facility, I can still remember, I see it in my mind. I, I see the parking lot. I see the entrance. I can see the doorway that we walked through. And, and it's memorable because uh, it's not really something that you'd quickly forget. I, I remember that that, uh, that Brother Fudge had made the connection. He's probably one of the, the greatest unsung heroes of our region for God, who has done so much in the kingdom of God and behind the scenes and out of the limelights and in the shadows he's reached and baptized hundreds of individuals. I'm grateful for Alan Porter, who is a product of his ministry as a part of our church. And, and I'm so thankful today that, that he made that connection, but it was a, an unforgettable moment. We were invited for that Christmas concert. It's a, an uneasy feeling when you step inside of one of those institutions and you hear the series of doors that click and lock behind you and you know in that moment that the only way that you are getting out is by the assistance of somebody else. You can't get out on your own. It's only someone else that's going to allow you to to be released from that institution. It's only someone else that's going to unlock or open the door for you to get out. And and, and in that moment, in your mind, you, you can just imagine you have become incarcerated. You're You're locked up. You're there. And unless somebody opens the door, you can't get out. 
Let me state the obvious. I'll be Captain Obvious today. Let me state the obvious. Prisons weren't built for comfort. They were built for incarceration. Prisons are for reformation. The actual word penitentiary comes from the Latin word for repentance. Its structure, those imposing concrete steel structures, denote a place of constraint and containment. They're designed to be places for contemplation and reformation. Rules were not made to be broken. They're reminders of what wrong is and what right is. That's what rules are for. When, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, they clearly indicated when people would stray from the Word of God. The guidelines kept people walking in righteousness, and, and it's that framework that created the rules and the laws that, that are a part of our, our society today. And if we break the laws and the rules of our society today, then we can be certain that there is a, a penalty, a penal institution that, that awaits us if judgment is exacted and, and we found to be wrong in our, in our actions and our activities. It's, uh, it's just a reminder that God's word is true and it's genuine and it's, and it's authoritative. It's a reminder that, that we need to do the things that are right and shun the things that are wrong. So while I am in full agreement, I am for the system of ref reformation, we, we all cry for justice. It would appear to me, however, that sometimes in Scripture, bondage is, is, is a picture that's brought as a result of, for the sentence of sin, a penalty that's been exacted for wrongdoing. Laws were made to be kept. And so I am for a system of reformation. It keeps us safe. It keeps people walking the straight and narrow. It, it provides that society. That, that we can act in and, and, and allow ourselves to be, to be a, a part of without fear, without, without being afraid. That, just, that justice system. We, we've been shaken to our core this week by the circumstances that happened in Nova Scotia over the past week and, and we have read through the details and we, we've been so concerned as we, we read because it's so far from anything that's human. It's so far from anything that we could imagine that somebody would do, that, that somebody would fi be filled with that much, much hatred, that someone would, would act that, that much in opposition to something that is right, acting so wrong, acting so full of hatred, acting beyond what we could imagine. And it, and it shatters us to our core. It, it, it shakes us to our core because, because when somebody moves that far away from what is right, it, it makes us wonder, is there anybody else that would act like that? And, and so I want to be clear today, especially against the backdrop of things that have happened in the past week, that I am for a system of reformation. I am for laws and I am for rules. I, I am for, for fair judgment. We all cry for justice in moments like that. I, I want to be clear that that's not what I'm talking about. I, I agree with a society where people act and live by the rules. But I'd like to point our attention to the, the, the bondage that sin would like to have us all in. And it's that bondage that I'd like to remind us that we all need to be set free from. We all deserve freedom from sin. Would somebody say amen with me today? 
We all, like David, would prefer to fall on the mercy of God. It was in the Old Testament that David had a choice because he sinned in numbering the children of Israel. And, and the prophet Gad told him, he said, you got three choices, David. You can have seven years of famine. You can have three months of fleeing from your enemies. Or you can have three days of pestilence. And, and I like the way that David put it. David said to Gad, I, I'm in a great strait. Let us now fall in the hand of God, for his mercies are great. And let me know. Not fall into the hand of man. You see, David had this understanding. There's something about God that David knew that if he would just fall into the hands of God, that mercy would be extended and freedom would come his way quickly with God, more quickly than it would with man. Why? Because man cries for justice. It's eye for eye. It's tooth for tooth. It's arm for arm. It's leg for leg. Whatever, whatever the case is, it was it was justice. It was it was reenacting. Re enactment of the sin that was perpetuated to you against the person that perpetuated the sin. And, and it just creates a cycle where everybody, everybody has one eye. Everybody would have this constant reminder of, of something that was done wrong to them so they would wrong somebody else. So David knew that that was humanity. But if he would just fall into the hands of God, there's something about the nature of God that we've got to understand today and that God is a merciful God and that God would not desire for us to stay in that sentence of sin. God would not desire for us to stay, come on, held in that deadbolt held by sin, held in that, that lock of sin. God would desire for us to be made free. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. David understood that about God, and we need to understand the same thing about our God today. While we may not have a criminal record with the penal system, and we may not have a problem getting a passing grade with a criminal record check, we may not have any of that. I had a new experience this week. I... Uh, as, as a part of a, a board that I'm a member on, the, they were requiring fingerprints. Well, I've never been fingerprinted in my whole life. So they, they sent me, uh, first, you know, over the past few weeks, uh, they'd sent the request that I get fingerprinted, and I was making calls, and due to COVID-19, it was uh, pretty much impossible for me to get the fingerprinting done at any of the institutions or any, any of the places that I was calling. And, and finally, the, the, the secretary for the board that I'm a part of in the, in the United States, they, she sent me this uh, email and said, we're sending you a package, and, and you're going to get the opportunity to fingerprint yourself and that I would take my fingerprints and and it's uh, I think the company was it was fingerprints by live scan was the name of the company that that sent me the information and they sent me the kit and and I had this kit and I had these ink strips that I had to put my fingers on and and one at a time I rolled my fingers on the paperwork and and by the time I was done I had ink everywhere I had ink up my sleeves I had ink on my shirt I had ink all over the table I had ink in, in, in somewhere on that paper that they gave me were these 10 fingerprints of Jack Lehman I had never had that experience before thank God Thank God I've never had that experience before. So we may get a passing grade on, on a, the penal institution and our criminal record checks, but, but can I just tell you today that, that we all know what it's like to be in the entrapment of sin. We all know what it's like to be in the bondage of sin. We all know what it's like. We, we may not have had the experience of incarceration, but we can all echo David's song when he said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. We know what it's like to look for freedom from our wrongdoing, and we all have been gripped by the bars that close in on our spirit. 
because of sin. We've all been held captive in the prison of the mind because of what we've done. We can't forgive ourselves. And so we just kind of replay the cycle of the wrongdoing over and over in our mind. We all know what it's like to be in that situation. We all know what it's like to long for release from the prison that's held our soul captive. But can I remind somebody that even though we've been shapen in iniquity and in sin, our mothers may have conceived us. But let me tell you, there is a God that has a desire to set us free today. I've got good news. We serve a king with a commitment to accomplish the freedom work in our lives. As a matter of fact, if you look at the post-crucifixion activity of Christ, you'll find that his purpose, one of the things that he did, it said that Peter said, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. He suffered on our account. He, he paid the price for our sin. And listen to what he did, verse 19. He said, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. His, his primary purpose, his, uh, his activity involved going to somebody that was in prison, people that were imprisoned by wrongdoing, people that were imprisoned by sin. And it said that he preached unto them and he didn't go to preach convict. He didn't go to preach condemnation to them. He may have preached conviction to them, but he came to preach a liberty. He came to preach a freedom. He came to preach a way out in the middle of no way. He came to preach a way out when you didn't think there was any way. Come on, getting back on your feet. You didn't know there was any way that you were going to open the prison doors that held you captive. But he came to remind somebody today that he came to set us free he came to set us free that's the God that we serve today Ephesians 4 verse 4 says there is one body and one spirit even as ye are called and one hope of your calling one Lord one faith baptism one baptism. We, we love to preach that because it's doctrine. It's powerful. It's a reminder that we have, <clears throat> come on, there's truth in the message that we preach. There's salvation in the message that we preach. There's opportunity out of sin. There's an escape way. There's an opportunity for us to be freed in the message of salvation. And he goes on, one God and one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And he said, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We're given grace when, when we should have deserved justice, when we should have been, uh, come on, slammed with the guilty verdict over top of our lives. Come on, Jesus said that he came to bring grace. He, he came every, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And he's not just kind of parceling it out a little bit by a little bit, but rather he came to give an abundance measure the gift of grace is given it's enough for whatever problem is in your life it's enough for whatever sin satan has declared has held you captive he came to say there's enough grace to set you free but he didn't stop there in verse 8 it said wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave grace gifts unto men. I love that verse and I begin to think about it in respect to the sermon today. I begin to think about it. He led captivity captive. In other words that incarceration that was in our life he said incarceration you're going to have to bow to me. I'm incarcerating incarceration. I am taking captivity and I am leading it captive. I am overcoming whatever, come on, whatever jail cell has you held in the spirit of your mind. Whatever 
whatever jail cell you are locked in, in your spirit, God said, I'm taking that captivity and I'm leading, leaving it captive. And when I lead captivity captive, I am leaving you free. I'm leaving you in a place of freedom. I'm leaving you set free because he that the son has set free is free indeed. That's what we're talking about today. He led captivity captive. Captivity has no more opportunity to hold you because he led it captive. Captivity has no opportunity to, come on, to keep you in bondage. He led it captive. He, he led it away. It, it no longer has the opportunity to hold you. You have been set free if you'll walk in the grace that he has given to you today. You see, Ephesians was referring to the psalmist in Psalm 68. Psalm 68 starts out like this. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. If you skip down to verse 18, it's a reminder. That verse in Ephesians, it's a, it's a pulling that verse out of verse 18. He said, he said, thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also. Why? Why? For the, that the Lord, come on, that's, that's what God wanted to do. That the Lord God might dwell among them. The wrongdoer can have freedom. The person that's done wrong can be set free. It was declared in Psalms. We were reminded in Ephesians and Jesus himself told us that we could be free indeed. We all feel a little bit captive lately. We all know what it's, what it's like to be be wishing that we were set free. We've been in the confines of our homes, I don't know, more than 40 days now. We've been, uh, we've been housebound. We've been, and, and gratefully, it's working. Thank, thankful for the report that we received this week and looking forward to having church in the parking lot very, very soon. Someone say, amen. That's the next step. We'll take it. I'll take the next step. I'm glad for it. I'm grateful for it. Uh, but we've all been feeling like we're a little bit kept. We all feel like we're in bondage. We all feel like we've been just kind of stalemated and stuck and, and we can't do the things that we want to do. We're, we're just, we're, we're under house arrest. Not really, but kind of. That's why we're not all here and you're all there. We don't, we, we don't have the permission to do what we would wish to do. We've, we're being kept. We're we're being held. Now, it's for a good reason. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not declaring anarchy against the government. I'm for what's happening. I'm in agreement. I think that we need to plank the curve. I think that we need to do, and thankfully, New Brunswick, we're doing the right thing. If you're beyond New Brunswick, I'm praying that the things are going well for all of you as well. But, but let me just remind you that that through scripture over and over again, as I was looking at this verse, this simple verse about God setting us free, maybe, maybe it was just in my subconscious or maybe it's the spirit talking. I, I, I think it's the Holy Ghost helping us today, but it, it's an awful great picture of where we are right now. We want to be free. We want to be free. So let me just take a moment and I'll remind you, and I'm coming in for a close very quickly here. But let me just remind you that it isn't very often in Scripture that God leaves people in prison. If you'll take a look at Joseph, the story of Joseph, his brothers put him in the pit. And they were just going to kind of, come on, they were just going to leave him there. And, and, but, but 
from the pit they pulled him up. God didn't intend, didn't intend for Joseph. Come on. It wasn't his demise. That wasn't where God intended for him to stay. God had a plan for Joseph's life. So they lifted him out of the pit and they sold him to the Midianites. And the Midianites took him from there and, and he ended up on the, on the auction block in Potiphar Bottom and took him to his house. And, and we know that God doesn't intend for him to stay at Potiphar's house. It may have been uh, cushy. It may have been nice. But that wasn't where God intended. God intended for him to be imprisoned for a season. And the Bible tells us that Joseph's master took him on, on the bad word of his wife. Potiphar's wife condemned Joseph for wrongdoing that he didn't do and he ended up in the prison. But the Bible makes it clear in Genesis 39 and verse 20 that Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. And then he doesn't stop there. He, he carries on. He said, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. Well, that was the king of Egypt, but what they didn't realize that it was also where the king of kings prisoner was going to be bound, but only temporary. Why? Because God had a purpose for Joseph's life. God had an intention. He had a plan. It was going to be for the savior of Joseph, but it was going to go beyond the savior of Joseph. It was going to include Joseph's family, but it was going to go beyond Joseph's family. It was going to include Joseph's people, but it was going to go beyond the children of Israel. It was going to go beyond that. It was going to include the people of Egypt. God had a plan that the season, come on, the season of confinement had a purpose attached to it. God had a divine design attached to Joseph's life. So when, when, when maybe everybody else was, was being put in the common prison, Joseph was put in the king's prison. Why? Because a butler and a baker were going to show up there and their word is going to be carried to Pharaoh and God is going to allow Pharaoh to hear about this one man called Joseph who's in the king's prison. He's waiting, come on, he's waiting for the right time. He's waiting for the release, but God has a plan attached to Joseph's life. Just somebody be reminded that God has a plan for the season that we're walking through right now. God has a divine attention. God has a divine design on where we are, what's happening. It didn't catch God by surprise. I believe that God has salvation attached to the reason why we are where we are right now. God ordained it all. God planned it all. It was on his calendar. He knows exactly what's happening. He, he's not caught off guard and he's not caught by surprise. God wants someone to know salvation is coming. Revival is going to happen. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Why? Why that king's prison? Because God had a plan. So in this season of in Come on, in this season of house arrest, start looking for the real reason while we're walking on this journey. Start looking for the real reason. Salvation's coming through you, Joseph. Salvation's coming through your household. Salvation's coming from the word that you're willing to declare. I believe that God's going to give us dreams in this end time. God's going to, come on, God's going to give us prophetic words. God's going to open opportunity for us to stand before people of influence. And God's going to use that connection to accomplish his great purpose. There is going to be an end time revival. There is going to be, come on, in the latter days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit. I still believe what we preached just a few weeks ago here in this pulpit. There's a sound of an abundance of rain. There still is a cloud the size of a man's hand on the horizon. God's still at work. I better move on. God's still at work. It was Samson. And we know Samson. Samson 
wasn't perfect. As a matter of fact, Samson was more wrong than he was right. But the Bible tells us that the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And we know that he was grinding at the mill. But did you realize that, that that grinding that happened, the Bible tells us in Judges 16 and verse 21, it says that he did grind where? In the prison house. He was in that prison, that place of confinement, that place of incarceration, that place where, where criminals were kept. That, that place, that place was where he was. That's where they put Samson. But God didn't leave Samson there very long. God had a purpose for Samson. Even in the end of his life, he had done wrong. He, he come on, he, he should have been judged wrongly, but, but God said, oh, I'm not finished with Samson. I want someone to know that God's not finished with you yet. It may have been years and you may be the one in the wrong, but God still has a plan for your life. It says that as it came to pass that when the Philistines, when their heart was married, that they, they said, call for Samson, that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson. And what the, what the Bible says is, is this, that they called for Samson out of the prison house. Samson, you're coming out. God has a plan for your life. God has intention for you in the end time. It's not over until God says it's over. God is still at work. I feel the help that comes from God in this moment. Don't miss the opportunity because we're disappointed. Don't miss the opportunity because we feel like everything's sliding in the wrong direction. God is still in control. That's what I know. God's still in control. We can read on. I, I'll skip through my notes. I know time's getting on. It was Micaiah, the prophet. He was imprisoned by evil Ahab. He was in the prison. Why? Because he had declared the word of God. He was the man with God's word in his mouth. And Jehoshaphat, when it finally came time for Ahab to join with Jehoshaphat, he said, come on, let's go up and attack Judah. Let's go, let's go and, and bring an attack to them. Je Jehoshaphat said, you know, we got 400 prophets that are telling us to go. But is there any man with God's word in his mouth? That man with God's word in his mouth was in the prison. That's where he was. He was being held in the prison. He was there until, until what? Until it was time for the word of God to be released. God has a church. Come on, we are prepared. We've got the word of God in our mouth. And in the right time and in the right season, God is going to release the word to work in this world. God's going to release the word while everybody else is saying nay and, and nay. And while everybody else is giving their own purpose and direction, God God has a man of God that's willing to stand and say, come on, this is what the word of God says. God in this end time is waiting for a man of God. Right now, he may be confined. Right now, he may be silent. Right now, he may not be in the place that he wishes that he was. But God's about ready to set some people free so we can accomplish the purpose and plan of God in this end time. I just need someone to receive the word today. It can and should be you. That's what we know. He was sent forth from prison so he could declare the word of God. Before you say, I've been this way too long. Pastor Jack, I've heard preaching about the end time and I can't imagine that God is going to set me free. I can't imagine with all the wrong that I've done. I, it's just a word from God that's coming. God wants to set somebody free today. Sin can't hold you. Captivity, that captivity that's, come on, it's lied to you long enough and said that you can't escape. You can, he led captivity captive. You can walk in freedom today. 
Second Kings 25, it said it came to pass in the seventh and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Who's this? Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. He was in captivity. He'd been there for 37 years. And, and at that point, I'm sure that he said to himself, I, there's no hope. I've been this way for 37 years. Man, I, I'm only 39. Sorry, I'm 49. But for 37 years, I was only 12 and a half years old. I was barely in grade six. I, I was somewhere in the, middle of, in, in the middle of transition from junior high to high school 37 years ago. 37 years is a long time. I wish I could go back 37 years. I, I wish I could kick a soccer ball like I did in grade six. A lot's happened in 37 years, but that's how long Jehoiakim sat in prison. He was there for 37 years. He was there, I'm sure, long enough for his mindset to be, I am a prisoner. I will never be set free. I'm going to be this way until I die. But let me tell you that in the 37th year, God had a transition that was coming a change was on the horizon liberty was about to be released in his life it says in that year that 37th year that evil Merodach king of Babylon in that year he did begin to reign and he did lift up the head of Jehoiakim king of Judah what out of prison he brought him out a prison. That's the God that we serve. And, and God just wants someone to know he'll bring you out in maybe 37 years of captivity. But God still has a plan to bring you out. God has a purpose for you. I, I like how the scripture goes on. It says, and he spake kindly to him and set his throne. Who? King Jehoiakim. All of a sudden he went from the prison house to the throne room. And it, he, he said he spake kindly to him. He, he kind of entreated him. He invited him. He, he set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon. And he changed his prison garments. And he did eat bread continually before him all the days of his life. And, allow, and his allowance was a continual allowance given to him by the king. A daily rate for every day, all the days of his life. God can bring a change when we feel like it's an impossible change, like it's a hopeless, come on, like it's a hopeless end. God says, nah, I'm going to bring you an endless hope in the midst of your hopeless end. God has a plan for you in this end time. A scripture we quote often around here. I'm getting ready to close. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound now. That, that, that's just the nature of God. He is a prison door opener. That's how God works. You can read into the New Testament. It wasn't just Old Testament activity. The New Testament, you find the apostles. It says in Acts 5 that by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. But what happens? The high priests, get, they all get upset. And the next thing we find is that the apostles are laid in the common prison, verse 18. But the Bible says that that wasn't where God intended for them to be. Humanity may have put them there, but God was going to bring them out. And the angel of the Lord, the Bible says, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. It may feel like a house arrest right now. 
But I believe that God's going to open a door of opportunity that no man can shut. That door is going to swing open on a hinge that's bigger than any human effort for it to be closed. And God's going to say, stand up, get up, get out of this prison cell, get out of this prison mentality, get out of this, come on, caught mentality, get out of this idea that you're in bondage, get out of, get out of that framework, get out of that mindset, get up and go and stand and speak to the people all the words of this life. God has a plan for us. God has an intention for us to speak life. In this end time, God is looking for someone who refuses to be in bondage. We could go on and talk about Paul and Silas. We could talk about at midnight, they sang praises unto God. Their feet in stocks. Come on, their arms, they were in bondage. They were in that prison house. But it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. No human effort. Didn't take man's hand. God said, you know what? Build your best prison. Build your best structure. I'll just shake it from the ground up. I'll break the walls apart. You don't have to have a key to open the door. I'll just break the walls apart. It's just going to, come on, the doors are just going to open up. Everybody's bands are going to be loosed. And the keeper of the prison is going to wake up out of his sleep. And the doors are going to be swung wide open. Why? Because God is greater than any structure imposed by man. God's greater than anything imposed by any individual. God's greater than sin that's held you captive. God wants someone to know today he's greater than whatever is holding you captive. And if he sets you free, then you are free indeed. We could go on through scripture. We could find more stories over and over again, we could find the story, come on, where, where the prison doors are open and, and the, the apostles just walked out through because God had a plan for them to be liberated. Simply put, God wants someone not to be held in bondage today, not to be held captive by your ideas, not to be held captive by your past, not to be held captive by your sin. God is looking for a people that, Rest in the declaration that he gave to us, that he has made us free. Galatians 5 and 1 declares it. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Whatever bondage we're in, whether it's a self-imposed bondage, whether it's a bondage that the enemy has come and he's condemned us, whether it's a bondage that's come because Come on, because of wrongdoing, a bondage that's come because of sin that's in our life. God intends for you to be set free from that sin. God intends for you to pray that prayer of forgiveness. God intends for you to be repentant. That's the real repentance. Penitentiary comes from that word, but God's looking for somebody with a penitent heart. God's looking for someone that just turns their back on sin and walks in the way of righteousness because he wants you to be free. He wants your voice to declare freedom. He wants your life to declare freedom. God needs people that are free. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Finally, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible tells us clearly, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law 
might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you walk after the spirit, then you, then you inherit the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And the Bible told us in verse two that that law makes us free from the law of sin and death. God intends for his people. God intends for you, every person. God intends for us all to be made free. Why? Because he declared it. Red letter in your Bible, John chapter 8, verse 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You say, Pastor Jack, how do I become free? It starts in that act of repentance. It starts when you turn from sin and turn to God. It starts there. The next step is baptism and waters of baptism and every sin is washed away. You rise to walk in newness of life. You walk in a new purpose and a new intention and then God fills you with his spirit. There's an evidence of that spirit. We see it all the way through the book of Acts over and over again. It's an evidence. It's a tongues that come that you didn't learn. It's that language and you don't have to have any of us praying for you to receive it. You can receive it right where you are. You can receive it right in your room. You can receive it right in your own home. You can receive it right in your car right now. That can happen right now. All you have to do is lift your hands. And when God sees that you've turned from sin, he can fill you with his spirit. Whatever your next step is today, I'm encouraging you. Don't, come on, don't go again into that bondage of sin. But step into new life. Step into new freedom. Step into new hope. You can be set free. No exclusions. As as free as it is for everybody to access this sermon. That's as free as it is for God to make somebody free. He is determined to make you free and you shall be free indeed. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for that hope that you leave every one of us. God, I thank you for the invitation that you bring. God, you invite us to be made free. God, you call us, you challenge us, you beckon us. God, that work has already been accomplished. We just have to take advantage of it. God, we're refusing the bondage today. We declare freedom in our lives. We declare freedom in our homes. God, we declare freedom in our community. We declare freedom, Jesus, in our church. God, we declare it in our city. We declare it, God, in, come on, all around the world, in this end time revival that you're bringing, we declare your freedom. God, I ask that you would lead captivity away from someone's life today. God, that you remove it, that you take it from, from them, that hindrance that's holding them back from becoming what you desire for them to be. God, our prayer today is that you'd allow that captivity to be released from them and that freedom would come to them. We ask it, Jesus, in your powerful and in your precious name. Everyone said amen. We're really looking forward to service again tonight with Pastor Woodward. We're looking so forward to the next steps of us becoming, uh, being back together, becoming the church that God has called us to be. Looking forward to seeing some brand new faces. Maybe you're watching online. Uh, reach out. Send us an email. Let us know that you've been a part of what God is doing, even by this way of webcast today. We invite your conversation. We invite your, your communication. And uh, God bless you. We're going to leave you. Have a great afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen.